This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. All right, welcome back into the program here on the Blitz 1170. It's Wednesday, so let's hit up that hotline and welcome in from Tulsa Bone and Joint. You can check them out online, tulsabonejoint.com. It's Dr. Chris Crane who's joining us now here on the Blitz. Dr. Crane, how has your week been, my friend? It's been fantastic. How are you doing this fine afternoon? Doing well, doing well. Digging this weather, not going to lie. It's almost uh, maybe just a few degrees cooler, and we are right in what I like to call the perfect pop zone, at least for me anyway. It may not be the best for everyone, but me, and if I'm being selfish, I want the weather always uh, akin to what I like, right? I mean, I, that seems reasonable, I think, for the most part. Of, uh, I would want weather that I actually prefer compared to everyone else. I think that's not selfish one bit. I, I totally understand. <laughs> All right, so I uh, I had reached out to you earlier today and uh, when you had asked about what the topic is today, and I wanted to revisit just for a, a bit the procedure that Aaron Rodgers has because this is the problem with today's media cycle is we hear about this. It was deemed as revolutionary or new procedure. I saw it referred to both ways, Doc. And on top of that, they pick up on the faster recovery time, which I'll let you explain a little bit more on that. But then we, we morph into ridiculous notions and ideas that that is always going to be the case because this is a newer procedure. And the report about Rodgers coming back to play in January. First of all, has he watched the Jets at all? I mean, come on. There's no way they're going to be playing deep into January at all without Aaron Rodgers. But even if that was the case, I think we need to maybe just tap the brake a little bit on this. But it is still our duty to explain to everyone why this procedure is different than what we've typically seen with a, a repair of the Achilles tendon. Yes, yeah, so this is still trying to bring the Achilles tendon into a repaired state, it all really truly comes down to where the tear occurs. And if this is uh, something that you see, you know, the same type of injury, it doesn't necessarily mean that it tore in exactly the same place. The tendon is rather large. There's muscle above it. There's bone below it. And so how it tears really determines how you can fix it. And in, in in this particular case, a hypothetical for you, if he tore it very close to the heel bone, then that tear might leave you with two parts, one where there's the calf and the tendon that is torn above it. But then at the heel, you've got this little stub of an Achilles tendon where it originally inserted, and it's frayed, maybe looking a bit like the end of a mop or a rope, just not a clean piece of tissue that you can work with. And if you try to classically bring down that calf and tendon and try to reattach there, there's just not a great place for suture to go in. Now, I'm not a surgeon, and so I'm probably not explaining this as classically as a surgeon could, but essentially the goal of this speed bridge or this internal brace is to still bring those into approximation, but by using the heel bone as more of the anchor and less relying on the distal part of that tendon, the bottom half of the tear, and so that you basically bring these to where they can heal again, but relying on a bony anchor as opposed to relying entirely on suture. That's a really quick and dirty explanation for it. In my experience, and I'm not a surgeon, but in my experience, I would not expect him to be playing in January. I would expect him to be happy to be walking in January and not fully at the level of a competitive athlete at that level of play. 
So basically, it's just a better anchor, right, for trying to repair that is all that is. Right. It's definitely a better anchor for certain types of tears, trying to let that tendon be close to the other parts to let it try to heal back, but to not have to rely on suture going through a very small amount of tendon and a very tiny anchor. And especially if you're worried about the the classic worry in any Achilles tendon surgery is re-rupture. You want a strong repair. You want then to let that rest and heal and revascularize and scar down. Similar to ACLs or other types of big injuries, you need a good amount of healing. And so he's going to be having a fairly prolonged recovery. And I think especially for when we talk about elite level athletes, I mean, if he had an office job, three months it might be in the ballpark that we're talking about to kind of be walking and sitting back to that. But sprints and high-level plays, that's, that's asking quite a lot of the ankle. That's how it failed in the first place. And so to make sure it doesn't re-tear or re-injure, it's going to take time and it's going to take a lot of healing. I saw the little uh, clip of how they went in. They did a, a decent job on television of putting together the animation about how this actually works and, and looks. Can you explain to me, is there much of a difference between what what you refer to it as the speed bridge or the internal brace? How much of a difference is there between that and then the same type of procedure that they did on Brock Purdy for his torn UCL? Because they used a bridge in there which is why they were equating that to his recovery at the beginning of the season earlier than much more of a traditional route. Is it virtually the same type of thing? It's, it's a concept that's the same, obviously talking about very different areas of the body. But I think when you're talking about repair or reconstruction, you're looking at how do we anchor this down. I mean, obviously it's torn. It's no longer attached. We have to bridge that tendon and re-anchor it. And so classically, the goal would be to take two ends and put suture between them and then allow them to heal. And now you've repaired the soft tissue. But especially in cases uh, where you have a very far down or distal Achilles tendon tear, or maybe in the elbow where you have very little tendon to work with to begin with, it might make more sense in some cases to use a brace or an internal brace or fixate it directly to the bone in a way that you're not relying on suture and a tendon to hold this in place. You're relying more on screws physically placed into bone that are then holding the tendon in place to help it try to heal in a way that won't re-tear. And so again, the whole concept of is it repaired with suture? Is it repaired with more of a bone anchor? And just how the exact details of how they go about it to try to reconstruct these injuries, that's the shared concept between those two. Okay, let's jump over to a little concussion uh, chat here for just a second. I know you've you've done some extensive work on concussions in the past, and we've talked about it. Uh, the example that I'll use is the Colts quarterback, Anthony Richardson. He's still in concussion protocol. Uh, he is expected to practice today and is going to take reps as the starter in practice for their coach. Now, some people were confused as to, wait a minute, how can you be in concussion protocol and still practice. So I'll let you describe what happens here on the lower level, but part of the concussion protocol in the NFL, at least as I know it, is to practice fully non-contact and not have any symptoms before you get the final clearance from the independent uh, neurologist that these NFL teams have on staff. So if that's the case at the NFL level, typically what is the protocol like 
and they're all different in the way that the the uh, individual reacts to trying to come back from these. But typically, how does it work even here on the high school level, Doc? The whole point of concussion is a gradual, very stepwise return to play. And it starts off with just not having symptoms at rest. It starts off with not having issues in a cold, dark room with no bright lights, no loud sounds. I mean, we want you to feel good at rest. We want for our students to be tolerating being back in the classroom before we try to put them back into sports. And then what we start to try is, okay, well, how about if you jog lightly or get on an exercise bike for five, 10 minutes, does that reproduce your symptoms? And so what we kind of see is that every day we try to progress them up this ladder, up this stair step of slowly more and more activity and really only one step a day. We're not trying to finish the whole protocol in two days and say, look how great we did and how fast we did it. We're going to very slowly let your brain get used to more activity, more stimulation, more processing that it has to do. When we have concussions, we see reduced reaction times. We see decreased balance. We see issues with the brain communicating with the body in an athletic way. And that's, you kind of think of it like a software error. It's, it's not that there's a damaged nerve hardware-wise, but that the actual function of these nerves is down. And what we want to do is return these gradually. And so what you're saying with him, he's kind of back to maybe even start in practice. He's probably been doing a little bit of weightlifting. He's probably been doing some cardio. He's really starting to meet the end of this stepwise progression where how does he do returning to play? How does he do managing all 11 enemies on the field and all 10 teammates? And how does that brain handle that? Does he have symptoms coming back? Does he feel worse afterwards or even during? And if he does, okay, let's wait. Let's give it a little more time. Let's let more healing happen. It's kind of just a test. And each day you see how you're doing on that stepwise progression. And eventually, whether that's weeks, whether that's months, every concussion is different. You find that you have fully returned to class. You have fully returned to sport and you have no symptoms. And that's when you get your final clearance. Yeah, I think you said it best off the top, which is it's just one step in the process with multiple steps that you have to go through. There is not some form of, all right, let's bust out the flashlight and check your pupils. All right, are you good to go? Yes, I've cleared protocol. That's not how this is supposed to work. And if that is your protocol, then you, you're you putting someone in significant danger with, with doing that. So just, just because someone is practicing doesn't necessarily mean that they've been fully cleared yet. It's, it's part of the step in the process. Yeah, and it's a very stepwise thing. We check their symptoms routinely. We're checking their balance, their reaction time. There's actual tests now. We're not just, you know, asking them to say the alphabet backwards. I mean, there's lots of refined tests that are starting to get some really good data behind them. This is something we're always watching their symptoms, and every symptom can be different per concussion and per player. And so how they respond to these different levels of activity could be different symptoms. And so it's it's a very detailed process. These return to play pro, concussion protocols are not small. They are detailed. They are thorough. And especially at the level he's playing, they've got this down to a pretty good science. And it's only improving year after year. 
Doc, appreciate the great info today. Thank you very much for explaining a little bit more about the uh, Aaron Rodgers procedure and then also concussion protocol. 918-392-1400. That's the number for the main campus there at Tulsa Bone & Joint. They can direct you to all of the other locations that they have, whether it's Bartlesville, Owasso, Sand Springs, uh, Midtown Physical Therapy, uh, the new location that's coming soon there in Broken Arrow off of Highway 51. Uh, and you can find out all that information and about all the physicians at TulsaBoneAndJoint.com. Doc, appreciate you as always, and we'll check in again next week. Sounds great. Looking forward to it. Thank you very much. That is Dr. Chris Crane joining us here on the Blitz 1170, and we are streaming live on the Blitz 1170 app. Colby Daniels is next. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.